Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick. And this is David Smith, the Executive Director of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. Dave, like the folks who are listening, we are troubled by what's happening in Illinois and America. Lawmakers want to legalize drugs here in Illinois and expand gambling. Infanticide is becoming the norm. And, oh, yes, assisted suicide may be coming to Illinois. And you forgot LGBT mandate to teach our kids uh, history, the history of LGBT um, folks. And God forbid if you use the wrong pronoun these days. That's right. The Reverend Dr. Erwin Lutzer has some biblically inspired insights on how Christians should respond to this hostile culture. Dr. Lutzer is a pastor emeritus of the Moody Church in Chicago, where he served for over 35 years. You can hear him on more than 700 radio stations. What? 700? Yeah, that's more more than I can count. But uh, (laughs) Dr. Lutzer will be speaking at the IFI Christian Life in Exile Forum, 7 p.m. Friday, February 22nd at Jubilee Bible Church in Medina, Illinois. If folks want to attend, they need to go to our website, IllinoisFamily.org, click Events. Or just give us a call at 708-781-9328. And it's free and open to the public, and we welcome everyone to come and join us and hear from Dr. Lutzer as he imparts a little bit of his wisdom uh, from his book called The Church in Babylon. Heeding the call to be a light in the darkness. Dr. Lutzer, this is your legacy book. It really is. You know, I've written many books, but as I was thinking about my age, and I am getting older... So that might so. not be true about the both of you, but I am <laughs> nevertheless. I began to think, what is it that I want to say to the American church? I feel that being here at the Moody Church, there's a sense in which I've had a ringside seat in evangelicalism the last 35 or 40 years. And of course, we've seen the deterioration. We've seen the battles that we have lost. Yes. I always say that um, we used to play on a field and all of our games were home games. The people in the stand were basically for us. If they weren't for us, they were somewhat indifferent, but now all of our games are away games. Interesting, yes. And uh, what happens is we are called names, they rejoice in our losses, but isn't that an exciting time for us to be alive and to (laughs) say God brought us into the world for this moment of history? And I appreciate so much for what the both of you are doing the Illinois Family Institute. You're fighting battles for a lot of us. And Dave, you don't have to win. You only have to be faithful. Amen. And that's something I gotta keep trying to remember, Dr. Lutzer. And so you keep reminding us, please. Yes, as a matter of fact, as you look throughout history, there are many Christians who have lost. If they really lose big, we call them martyrs. (laughs) But the fact is that they arrive in heaven They arrive in heaven as victorious. So that's where we have to be today. But the reason I wrote the book, The Church in Babylon, I tried to help the church to understand those issues that we should go to bat on. I tried to help people to realize that everybody 
has to draw a line in the sand and say, I can accept this much of culture, but I can't accept that much. Amen. And, and then to stand there and to take the consequences. That's right. You know, I want to talk a little bit about the, the church in Babylon because it was such a blessing to me in a timely manner. But before I do that, I want to say first, it's an honor for you to join us on this podcast today and give us your time. You are a hero. You know, you, Hebrews talks about the heroes of the faith. You are one of them for me and my family. Thank you, Dave. I sure hope Jesus was listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you're, you're not only you're preaching and teaching at Moody Church, your radio programs, you know, I, I can, can only guess that you don't have an inkling of an idea of how many people's lives you've changed, you've impacted through all these things, these outlets and platforms that you have, including your books, you know, Hitler's Cross, When a Nation Forgets God, Who Are You to Judge?, uh, I can go on. How many books have you read, <laughs> Dr. Lucer? You know, I have to be very honest and tell you that I do not know. <laughs> there are those who have counted them, and they assure me that it's well over 30. Some people have said 40. I've just never taken the time to really count well, them. Well, you know, God has used you in amazing ways. In this book, my wife came home after listening to your radio program in the car and said, Dave, Dr. Lutzer has a new book. It's called The Church in Babylon. Of course, that got my interest. I'm like, huh? all right so we got the book and it was right before the election and generally speaking you know these kind of elections and especially the 2018 election was a wipeout for our side in illinois it was not only a blue wave but it was a blue tsunami <laughs> so i could be really discouraged by that but you in your book was yell where it was were yelling at me nah maybe not yelling because i don't think you ever yelled do you no i don't think so, so so maybe you were just um rebuking me telling me dave focus build the kingdom and it came through loud and clear and it was a blessing and it really helped me to focus on the prize ahead the gates of hell are not going to prevail so just i got to keep that in mind when i wrote the book I was thinking of the Jews taken to Babylon, mm -hmm. where they were a minority in the midst of a pagan culture, a majority pagan culture. Right. And they were to be preserved there by God as a witness. And in Jeremiah, you know, he actually gives instruction as to how they are conducting themselves. They should conduct themselves. They could have become angry and simply withdrawn. Yep. They could have said, in light of that, you know, we're going to boy, when we're in charge, we're really going to even the score to those terrible <laughs> yeah, Babylonians, right right. right? right. But God said, no, live among them, witness to them, but don't be contaminated with their evils. That's right. And that's what the Church of Jesus Christ has to do today. There's the calling, right? There's the calling. And when God called Jeremiah, he did not, as I want to emphasize again, call him to success, he called him to faithfulness. Mm. And we're living at a time when it is so important to keep that in mind because, quite frankly, we've lost the culture war. Yes. Politically, we seem to be electing those people who are not on our side on these big issues. That's right. And so what do we do? Do we fold up the tent? No, we remain faithful where God has called us. But I want to emphasize that we cannot change the culture simply politically, though of course I think that politics is very important, we can Amen. only change it by individuals who are listening to us today, those kinds of individuals who say, I'm going to be a witness where I am. 
I'm going to influence culture through my witness and also discussing the issues. Amen. Not was, shying away uh, from them. Not shying away. I was on a broadcast this morning being interviewed about immigration, which happens to be one of the chapters of my book because yes. there's so many You hit unclear, so many issues, yes. So many unclear things that are being said there. Right. And one of the questions was, well, how do we get this nation to change? Well, one way is for everyone who is listening, now that they have armed with, uh, they're armed hopefully with good arguments as to why we should have secure borders. Yes to go out there and to share with people the other side of the issue. And in this way, culture is influenced. Amen. And so I thank God for the avenue that he has given to you, the Illinois Family Institute, because you remind us of what the issues are, but you also give us some instruction and you continually express to us, we all must be involved. Yes. And we can't simply change things uh, because there's one person or one authority, we have to permeate culture. And that was, the, that was the challenge that the Jews had. And it was Bonhoeffer who said, silence in the face of evil is evil, right? And here's the problem. Silence, yes. We are being shamed into silence yes, today. that's right. So even though we still have freedom of religion in some areas. And freedom of speech. And freedom of speech, we are shamed into we silence. We are, that's right. And there was a politician, I won't mention who, but nationally known. I remember about two years ago saying on the radio that we still have free speech, so we cannot limit what people say but we can shame them if they don't have our views. Interesting. So people are constantly bound by this shame culture. And in the process, they become ashamed of the gospel. Was it yes, not Bar right. uh, Barna recently who said that there are many evangelicals, I don't know how he defined evangelical, but many think that we should not share our faith. And, and oftentimes in college and so forth, and I say to all those college students out there, and that means two of our grandchildren who are in college, be willing to stand for your faith, share it, stand where you are, and take your lumps. Amen. Jesus said that if you do that, great will be your reward in heaven. But you know, I don't want to be discouraging because I want to also be very encouraging, but yes. I see the church today as just folding. Yes. Can I go on for a minute here? Yes, I, I would. Yes, please. <laughs> Here's the dilemma of pastors, okay, yes. having been one. On the one hand, you don't want to put up barriers to the gospel. So you say, I'll never preach on same-sex marriage. I'll never preach on transgenderism because it might turn off people who otherwise might come to the church. Yes. And I get that. On the other hand, then, what they are saying is all that we stick with is the pure gospel, and I believe strongly in the pure gospel. Amen. But I do believe, and I'm challenging the pastors, that there is a way to speak about these issues with compassion, brokenness, and tears, yes. where you are not turning people away, but you are also instructing the congregation on the controlling issues of culture. Yes. In my book, which I hope everyone reads, and they I say should. that let with me, a let smile. Let me double down on that. Yeah. I make the statement that we expect our politicians to fix things that pastors are not even willing to preach about. Yes. So we want them to fix the bathroom issue. 
right. you know, regarding the transgender and all. Co-ed bathrooms. Yes, and, and we aren't willing to address it in our congregations. In the See, I think this is a big part of the problem is that um, we have a worldview problem. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. And we're not teaching, and it's not just the pulpit's problem though, we're not teaching our kids as they grow up, our grandkids, how to think through this. Now your book really helps people to think through many of the issues of our day. That's why I say read this book. But our parents and grandparents need to be teaching it at home too. Would you agree with that? Yes, and also, along with the knowledge, the courage, because you can have a lot of knowledge and then buckle, you right. know, like wilt yes. like a flower in the sun. That's right. The courage to stand on those convictions. By the way, thank you for mentioning that about my book. You know, there is a chapter on transgenderism. Yes. And I want to tell you why I wrote it. A grandmother said to me, my 13-year-old granddaughter came home from school and she said, Mom, what's wrong with two men who love each other? Why can't they be married? And then also, why can't a man who has transgendered and become a woman go into women's bathrooms? And I maintain these are the kinds of discussions yes. that have to happen in homes Amen. without kids being feel that they're being judged or how could you even say that? Yes. Right. But rather listening to them building relationships with them, but then also helping them to think through these yes. critical issues. And what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say? And a compassionate response to somebody with gender confusion is to get them help. Find them help because they're not going to um, prosper and flourish the way God has designed them to be. Would you agree with that? Exactly. And if they're struggling with this dysphoria? Yes. What you do is you tell them, lean into it. Don't try to run from it and become somebody else because that'll only compound your problem. You lean into it and you receive grace amid the struggles right. rather than thinking that you can get rid of the uh, struggles by mutilating your body. Right. There are plenty of examples of people who have mutilated their bodies right. and deeply regretted it. We're going to have a worldview conference with Walt Hare coming up. And Walt is quoted in your book. You, you list him yes. in The Transgender. He was a, a, a man who thought he was going to become a woman, had the surgeries, had the hormone blockings. But then he came to Christ, uh, gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ, and then came back. And now he's got a testimony to share and warn people, this is not the road you want to go down. Exactly. And that's another thing young people need is examples examples of people who can instruct them. And I think that every young person, every teenager needs a hero. Yes. As a parenthesis, unrelated to what we're talking about, perhaps. In addition but, to Dr. Erwin Lutzer. Just yeah, <laughs> but what I want to say is, as a boy growing up on the farm, my hero became Billy Graham. Yes. I was into Billy. My generation of teenagers was into Elvis and Monty. <laughs> I think I made the better choice. Amen. True. So the point is, we have to put heroes out there, Amen. and and we have to encourage our people. Read biographies. That's right. Find out that other people have. He suffered. would be the preacher's a good book. Yes, <laughs> and as I jokingly say, he's talking about my autobiography. As I jokingly say, 
you know, it, it is even a book that men can read. It That's has right. 18 pages of pictures. <laughs> Maybe Monte would be able to read it. It's okay. There are no real big words. You know, so I can handle it. Well, we need to take a time out and continue our discussion with Dr. the Reverend Dr. Erwin Lutzer after this. This is Albert Moeller for townhall.com. The horrible reality of late-term abortion points to the horrible reality of abortion, period. The abortion-related legislation in the news in recent weeks reveals a progression in pro-abortion thinking. Late-term abortion is becoming a basic principle of the pro-abortion movement. From the state of New York to Rhode Island, Virginia, and now Illinois, we are seeing legislation put forward that reveals the truth about abortion, the mask taken off, as it were. We're seeing the determination that abortion be available to any woman at any time for any reason or for no reason, even to the point that the advocates of abortion, who had basically tried to indicate that they understood third trimester abortions to be different, now they're saying they're not different at all. And we also have to acknowledge this follows their own deadly logic. Either life is sacred and worth protecting, or it's not. I'm Albert Moeller. Trans ideology is in our schools, government, churches, even our homes. We need to start taking some action in stopping this total madness. Join the Illinois Family Institute for our Trans Ideology Worldview Conference, Saturday, March 16th at Stone Church in Orland Park with Dr. Michelle Cretella, authors Denise Schick and Douglas Wilson, and Walt Heyer, a former transgender with encouragement for others. Let me help you realize who you are. The Illinois Family Institute Worldview Conference, biblical training for today's culture, 10 a.m. Saturday, March 16th at Stone Church in Orland Park. $20 per person, $50 per family. To attend, call 708-781-9328, 708-781-9328, or visit IllinoisFamily.org. Thanks once again for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here along with the Right Reverend uh, David Smith, the Executive Director of Hello. the Illinois Family Institute, Illinois Family Action. And we're recording from the Moody Church in Chicago. We're Downtown speaking with Chicago. the Reverend Dr. Erwin Lutzer. Dr. Lutzer will be speaking at the IFI Christian Life in Exile Forum, 7 p.m., Friday, February 22nd, at Jubilee Bible Church in Medina, Illinois. There is no cost. You want to come, give us a call at 708 708- 781-9328. It's a great way to spend a Friday evening. Uh, visit our website, IllinoisFamily.org. With Click your friends events. and family. Come on. Yeah, get Come the kids out. Um, what, are, what are you going to be speaking on, Dr. Lutzer? Listen, I'm so excited about this. I'd like to just simply, plainly say, be there. My topic generally is going to be when the state becomes God. Mm. And throughout history, there have been times like that. Freedom of religion is so precious. And of course, the state always, a secular state, always wants to gobble up some of the freedoms that we have. And this has been true historically as Christians oftentimes have been marginalized. And today we see that. We see not only the pressure of laws, which are very important and which really often uh, limit our freedoms, laws, but also the shame culture, mm -hmm. where we still have freedom. Now, 
I'm going to speak to people directly. I believe that we are at a crossroads in the culture. Let me give you a figure of speech. When you are walking along a sidewalk and you turn a corner and you go a different direction and then you look back, you can't see where you came from. America has turned a corner. Mm. So we can't even look back to the founding fathers. Our, our culture tells us that that's really wrong-headed. You can't go back to those men because after all, some had slaves and so forth. So we discount everything that they believed in. Mind you, you go to Washington and it has verses of scripture on That's almost right. every building. That's right. And so we can't even look back. So what I want to do is to encourage you, bring your teenagers, because I want to invigorate them to have deep convictions, to stand for those convictions, and I want to give hope to everyone that comes along the way analyzing the issues that we find in this culture. So I'm excited to be there, and I hope that many of you who are listening or watching will make sure to join us. Dr. Erwin Lutzer speaking at the IFI Christian Life in Exile Forum, 7 p.m. Friday, February 22nd at Jubilee Bible Church in Medina, Illinois. Please try to be there, 708-781-9328 if you'd like some more information or visit IllinoisFamily.org and click events. His new book is The Church in Babylon, Heeding the Call to Be a Light in the Darkness. Dr. Lutzer, you refer once again to this is your legacy book, but in the book you talk about the false gospels that are infiltrating the evangelical church. And the interfaith uh, groups getting together to partner with Islam? Oh my, you know, when you start talking about false gospels, I chose five. There could have been a lot more in that chapter, <laughs> but it's the longest chapter of my book. I deal with issues such as social justice. Yes. Social justice is important depending on how you define it, but somebody has to say to this generation that social justice, even at its best, is not the gospel. Amen. We might argue about some of the implications, there are different definitions, but let's not abandon individual conversion for, quote, social justice. So there's one. Uh, the infiltration of the New Age. Yes. There was a Catholic priest, and if you're hearing a siren, by the way, it's because we're downtown here in the city of Chicago at the Moody Church, and we are a city church, <laughs> and we reach out to this community, and there's lots going on. That's right. They coming for you, Manny? <laughs> <laughs> but there was a Catholic priest who wrote a book on the Trinity. It has nothing to do with the Trinity, but it's totally New Age, pantheism. Mm. Creation is the fourth member of the Trinity. There is wow. no judgment that God has brought about, etc., etc. There's no anger in God at all. Now, the reason I mention that is the book is selling, and according to his publisher, the greatest, the greatest demographic are young evangelicals. Sure. Yeah. So you have the intrusion of the new age. You have um, the permissive grace, I think that's number one, where, uh, you know, it grace, used to yeah. be... And I love grace. Hyper, hyper grace. Hyper grace. It used to be we preached the gospel when people felt convicted of their sin. We gave them amazing grace. Yes. Nowadays, you get grace up front whether or not you even <laughs> think you need it, right? I mean, God loves you unconditionally. That's right. 
Uh, no, he doesn't unless Amen. you're a believer. That's right. Amen. So anyway, that's a good point to make. And that's a good point to make. But let me get to the one that you mentioned, okay? And that is interfaith dialogue. Yeah. And I quote a book written by Muslims for Muslims on how to do interfaith dialogue in a way that is palatable to Americans. How do you make Islam acceptable? Right. And so there are evangelicals who invite them in the church because, oh, there's so much more that could be said. But let's remember this. Interfaith dialogue has certain rules. Yeah. One is nobody corrects you. You say whatever you like. The Christian pastor says whatever he likes. No criticism. No criticism. This is not a debate. Right. A debate is different. So a person, uh, an Islamist, is able to say whatever he likes to make about his, Islam. His uh, belief systems seem good. Yeah, and, and nobody can contradict it. Nobody's going to say, now, wait a moment, your Quran says this or right. the Hadith says this. So, so that's uh, the thing that... Um, and if they we want to learn to more, against. I would recommend reading Dr. Lutzer's book uh, called The Cross in the Shadow of the Crescent. Phenomenal book on how to respond biblically to our Muslim neighbors. Never forget why I wrote that book. I was visiting the seven churches of Asia Minor, <laughs> right. discovered that there are no churches, only mosques, right. and a very devout Muslim guide said that Islam's ability to replace the church is proof of its superiority. Wow. So this troubled me because it made Jesus look weak. I asked God for wisdom as to what these non-existent churches have to say to the American church. Now that's the book, yes. The Cross in the Shadow of the Crescent. Today the book that we're talking about is The Church in Babylon. That's right. Heeding the call to be a light in the darkness. So, Dr. Lutzer, I, I'm a firm believer in worldview training, and I'm trying to raise my children, which are, they're all homeschooled, um, with a solid biblical view. But I'm troubled because the culture is becoming more hostile to God, his ways, his standards. And I think there's, for example, there's this bill to legalize marijuana in the state of Illinois. I believe this is going to exasperate and expedite our drift away from God. And it may be, it, it, well, it'll certainly ensnare people into new addiction. Is this another way to push young people in particular away from God? Oh, exactly, and to make money. I was in Colorado where they already have legalized it. Yes. I asked a policeman who was in a restaurant, I said, what effects have you seen with your new marijuana laws? And to quote him directly, he said, every evil that was predicted has happened. Wow. He said, there are people out on the streets that are driving cars. We can't, we may pull them over, but they're not um, inebriated with alcohol, but they've been smoking marijuana. And so obviously this is a doorway to harder drugs. Absolutely. Talk to any heroin addict. Yes. And he'll tell you that he got into it through, uh, you know, marijuana. So that's where we're really going. And of course, as the culture drifts here in Chicago, the big argument is, well, we need the taxes. <laughs> we need the money. So that's the thing that I think is the greatest challenge. What would you say to Illinois lawmakers about this, the legalization, the commercialization of today's high-potency marijuana? I would simply plead with you with my heart, hoping I also reach your heart and also your head. Please recognize, I don't care how much money comes as a result of taxes. 
I don't care how much pressure. Think of the larger culture. Think of the children that are growing up. We have enough broken homes. We have enough drug addiction. We know, of course, we read about it and we experience it. I mean, my wife and I have been to funerals of teenagers who OD'd. We don't need that in our culture. So whether you're Republican or Democrat, look deep in your soul and ask yourself, is this really going to help our culture and help our families? Or is this going to hinder and become a stumbling block to worse things? Look deeply into your heart and realize that this is not a neutral issue. It plainly is wrong. Dr. Lutzer, I'd like to get your take, too, on what's happening in New York with this infanticide law, we have to call it what it is, and the prospect of that coming to Illinois. And it's a real possibility that they're going to rewrite the abortion laws here here in Illinois to make them even more progressive, as J.B. Pritzker said. You know, what's interesting is that you two men are too young to remember this. But I remember the days of Francis Schaeffer, and I remember the lectures that he gave, and this is exactly what he predicted is that once, of course, you know, abortion was originally, oh, it's for that poor woman over there who has a deformed fetus. And then, of course, what you have is that, of course, expanding now to abortion on demand. And finally, admittedly, saying that the child can even be born and you can kill it. That's right. So now, here's, here's something that people have to learn from history. You remember that governor who was interviewed, and I won't mention his name, but everybody knows who he is, who said that the baby that is born would be given, what did he call it, care? Right, and Uh, made comfortable. Comfortable care. Right. Well, I'd like to say something to him. Hitler starved children and called it putting them on a low-calorie diet. Mm. So what happens is you have language being used in such a way, the baby's born alive, we give it comfort care. That's it. And we allow it to die. And they call late-term abortion uh, women's reproductive health care. Yes, of course. And isn't it interesting that the people who are on the forefront of this are the people who really believe in women's rights Except the unborn child, woman. Not the little woman that's lying there on a bed, dying of starvation and getting comfort care. Right. See, here's what's happened in society. When the new morality began, you have, of course, sexuality rampant, and so you have babies, right? So abortion comes along and it's kind of the mopping up operation. We set this into motion where all sex is good, unless, of course, it's forced, Uh, and so forth, and we have certain general kinds of principles. But we set this into motion. Now babies are being born. We cannot give up on illicit sexuality. So babies pay the price. That's right. We kill them. When we talk about the legalization and the commercialization of marijuana, even more access to abortion, uh, the push for infanticide. A casino in Chicago. uh, All this stuff. (laughs) It should say to us that maybe Christians ought to get involved in the political process a little bit more. Maybe they should be running for office. 
Oh, yes, I believe that Christians should run for office. But as a pastor, I've stayed away from endorsing anyone. And the reason for that is I want to make sure that the cross of Jesus Christ is above politics. Amen. I want to be able to say to the Democrats and the Republicans that all of you are going to hell unless you believe in Jesus. <laughs> True. So as a result of that, I do not endorse this or that or that politician or the other one. But the point is simply this. Politics is hugely important. I hear from evangelicals, oh, politics isn't important. It's all about the church. Really? Let's go to Korea. And what you notice is North Korea, of course, with its communistic and political philosophy, the church there essentially dead. I mean, Christians are being crucified and, and persecuted, and persecuted wow. there. Go to South Korea. What is it, 25% claim to be Christians yes. because they have freedom? Yep. Well, don't come to me and tell me that politics isn't important. That's right. <laughs> of course it is. And so, of course, it isn't all important. Ultimately, it is the gospel. Well, but for us to simply close our eyes and to say, oh, politics isn't important. And by the way, all those things that are called by some evangelicals as politics are actually moral issues anyway amen. that they should be preaching on. Right. I like to say, Dr. Lutzer, that um, I think it's a stewardship issue anyway because God has given our country this gift of self-government. What are we doing? We have to participate in some way because it's God's gift to us, self-government. But I want to share this one quote with you from John Adams, who was writing a letter to his son, John Quincy Adams, who said, um, Public business, my son, must be done by someone. If honest men refuse it, others will not. If wise men refuse it, others will not. And this is where we are today. We have dishonest, unwise politicians dominating in Springfield and in Washington, D.C. The other problem, you know, it has been said that democracy is the best form of government, but at the same time, it is, uh, it is a difficult form of government because here's what you have. You have people making promises to get elected. And those promises involve what? Higher taxes? Right. Socialistic view of life? Bigger government. Bigger government. Bigger, bigger, bigger. And the government can do some things. It can't do other things. And I realize these, these are good things to debate. But what we have is a mentality politically that buys votes. And so you pretty well say anything <laughs> as long as you get elected. And so principle goes out the window. That's right. Probably on both sides of the aisle. Principle goes out the window. And so it's, it's a grab bag. You know, you want marijuana, I'll give that to you. You want abortion, I'll give that to you. You want this, I'll do this for you. And on and on it goes. And as Christians in the middle of this, we should not give up hope. We should continue to pray and ask God to give us the ability to elect people who are wise, who have biblical principles, and from there on, we have to recognize the importance of the political system. In your book, you actually admit something where you, God convicted you because you felt it was fruitless to pray for certain things because things will never change. Can you speak to that just now? All right, I'll speak to it. I don't exactly remember that in my book, but I assume it's there. Yeah. You have read the book. I have. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know what I was referring to is that 
it's easy to become discouraged, That's right? That's right. Because when you lose one battle after another, and when it seems as if, um, you know, the culture's against you, and you see the church capitulating to the culture, it's easy to be discouraged. But I come back to where we began. We have to continue to pray especially against evil. Uh, you know, the Bible is very clear that behind all of these powers, even politically, there are all kinds of spiritual battles going on in the world. So we need to pray and we need to ask God to give us wisdom as to what faithfulness looks like, whether we win or not. Here's a concern I have about the younger generation. And I thank God that there are many young people who are doing things right and who are committed and good pastors that are young. And we thank God. But Monty, many of them don't even know why we fought the battles that we did. You know, back 20 or 30 years ago, it says in the book of Judges, this just jumped out at me. God said in Judges, I have left some enemies in your territory because the younger generation did not learn the art of war. Mm. And I thought, wow. So they look at us and they say, well, you know, you fought these culture wars and you lost these wars and you didn't look good on TV, you were angry and certainly we could have done it better or whatever. But they have even forgotten, some of them, as to why these battles are important. Mm. And that is scary. If we don't help them to see that there are certain cultural battles that are important, where do we go from there? That's right. Well, that's why your book is so important, because parents and grandparents need to know and how to how to encourage the next generation to live a life of faithfulness despite living in a godless culture. And I hope that you like the chapter also, David, at the end, the last chapter, what does it take for a church to survive That's in it. a godless culture? That is it. You know, I, I give their uh, information as to how it cannot be about buildings, though buildings are important. We're sitting in a beautiful building Amen. here at the Moody Church. Amen. But it's got to not be about buildings. It's got to be about people. Yes. It's got to be about discipleship and prayer. Amen. It can't just be the pastor. It has to be Christ. And you look through this, and what we need is the kind of examples uh, that we need. You know, in there I quote Niebuhr, who said that the church, he said, reminds me of Noah's Ark. He said, you couldn't take the stench within if it wasn't for the storm without. And uh, oftentimes we find the church that way. People become discouraged with the church, but they have to keep on keeping on being faithful. And in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. And scripture tells us to bear with one another's moral faults and weaknesses. And so uh, to walk in the fruits of the spirit, that, that's how we bear with one another. My wife and I were at an airport and we were eating together. She had bought a sandwich and we were sharing it and someone across the aisle looked at us. And they said, you seem to be happily married. I'm getting married this weekend. What is the secret of happiness in marriage? And of course, you know, I, I looked at the ceiling. I couldn't think of anything. Instantly like that, my wife said, the ability to forgive. Yes. And I turned to her and I said, honey, you ought to thank God for the many opportunities I have given you in order to exercise this particular virtue. So you're absolutely right. So she's pretty good at that. She's pretty good at that. So we're absolutely right that at the end of the day, it's the power of the Spirit bearing one another. That's what spurred me on to give that illustration. Amen. 
we all have our weaknesses, we all have our faults, yes. but at the end of the day, we have a great God and we go Amen. on believing no matter what. Walking in faith, wow. keeping our eyes on the prize. Wow. I think we need to end there. Yes. Uh, and I want to, to remind folks about uh, Dr. Lutzer's book, uh, the church in Babylon, heeding the call to be a light in the darkness. If you can't, if you can't make the February twenty second forum, make sure you get this book. Um, you also have a leader's guide and a DVD series Absolutely. to go with this. This would be a great small group study at your church. And you know what the good news is? I've already heard back from several churches who are using it. We comes want with to a DVD. Mm -hmm. Comes with a group study. And so if you want to discuss these issues, all that material is available. Now, Dr. Lutzer's book will be available at uh, the February 22nd event at Medina Baptist Church. And maybe we can talk him into doing a couple uh, autographs uh, yeah. after the event. And uh, if they can't be at the event on February 22nd, where else can folks pick up your book? Well, they could go to moodymedia.org. Moody Media, of course, all one word, moodymedia.org, and they can find out there. And also Hitler's Cross, Hitler's Cross. and the Cross in the Shadow of the Crescent, and when the a nation Islam, God. and when nation forgets God. Seven and, lessons we must learn from Nazi Germany. You know, I think that you've read some of my I books. I think so. <laughs> yeah. So all those good materials are available there. Amen. Dr. Lutzer, before we close out, could you pray for Illinois yeah. and our nation? Father, we are aware that many policies that are being implemented hurt your people, they hurt families. They destroy rather than bring together. Thank you, Father, so much for the ministry of David and Monty and the Illinois Institute, Family Institute. And Father, even though they feel that they've lost some battles, give them some wins, give them some victories. Meanwhile, help us to be faithful and may each person listening ask themselves this simple question, what does God want me to do? May I ask that as together we move forward for the glory of God and his gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, folks, for tuning in. Please tell a friend about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.